Good morning, church family. Hope you guys are doing well. Thank you guys so much for being at church today. I know on a rainy, cool day, it's not always easy to get out of the house, but thanks for being here. Uh, we know it's almost the Christmas season because Ricky's wearing his red pants, everybody. He's wearing his red pants and his shirt's tucked in, so it's serious. <laughs> just sorry, I just like taking jabs at my staff. <laughs> Love you, buddy. <laughs> How many of y'all know that there are things in your life, convictions in your life that may not always stay the same? Uh, you, you go through different seasons. There, there are things that you feel like are really, really important in different seasons of your life that may not always feel the same. I remember before Cody and I had kids, we'd go and hang out with other families that had kids. And I remember when we would hang out with them, we'd get done hanging out with them. As soon as we got away from them, we'd start talking about like all the things that we would do different if we had kids. Like we, we knew that we would definitely be better parents than any of the parents out there. And so like things like, we would never feed our children frozen chicken nuggets. I mean, oh, I can't believe people do those things to their kids. But how many of y'all know? Then you have kids. And I will sling some frozen chicken nuggets at my kids any day of the week, especially like the kids. If it's just dad cooking, it's gonna be chicken nuggets or hot dogs. That's about it. That's about the extent of my cooking ability. Or, or remember like when you had your first kid and it was like, oh, this, this precious child, like you didn't want people to come near them or touch them because you were protecting them from everything. Like everything could poison them. Every, they could catch any cold. And so like if their pacifier touched the ground, you would clearly burn it. You would never use it, you'd throw it away, right? But then you had your second kid. And your second kid, you cared a little. You know, so the pacifier would fall on the ground. You'd at least pick it up and wash it off a little bit, you know, before you stuck it back in their mouth. You'd do that. Third kid, whatever. You just pick that thing up and stick it right back in their mouth. You didn't even clean it off. The fourth kid comes along. You're like, we don't even know where the fourth kid is. We lost him, you know? So, because you you realize you, you make some adjustments and things change and, the, and sometimes even convictions change. But I will say that it is heartbreaking when some convictions change. And this year I have seen many fall away from their deep conviction in their relationship with Jesus. But what if what if we could finish this year strong? What if in spite of everything that's happened, then instead of just saying, oh, I can't wait for this year to be over. I can't wait for this year to be over. What if instead of that mindset, we said, God, what do you still have for us, for me to do that can shake and shape the kingdom in someone's life? What if we could finish strong? And that's what I wanna talk about. Like how can we finish 2020 strong? This week in our Life of Christ study, one of our staff, Rachel Bernardi, talked about the parable of the talent. And in this parable, there was a master that had three servants and he was gonna go away on a journey, but he said that he would return. But before he left, he gave to one servant 
five talents to another two talents and to another servant one talent. The talent was a measurement of money at that point. It was actually right around 100 pounds of gold. In today's economy, it would be over $2 million worth of gold. And so it was a significant amount of investment that he was giving to these servants. And a lot of us know the parable, when the master returned, the, the servant that he had given five talents to had doubled it and returned 10. And the servant he gave two, he returned four. But to the servant that he gave one talent, because of fear, because of insecurity, because of whatever else, he hid it. He just buried it and waited for the master to return. And we know in the story that the master is furious that this servant didn't do something with this talent, that essentially he wasted this opportunity. I think that parable and these talents can also represent the seasons of life that God puts us in. That God wants us to be faithful with every season. So as we read this scripture, I think we could ask who in the word of God aced it when it came to the talent that was given to them, the season that was given to them. Well, I think a little bit about Mary, the mom of Jesus. Now, not the Christmas Mary, but like 30 years later. Like Jesus' mama. Now, I know we just did Thanksgiving, but now all of a sudden that is just gone. And now it's Christmas time. I think Thanksgiving should have its month. I don't know if anybody's there with me. Now, some of y'all, like Christmas is several months long for you. And some of you, based on the decorations at your house, it's year-round for you, and, and that's fine. But I think Thanksgiving should have its season. But, but I heard somebody wrote this last week that if we wanted the, the Thanksgiving scene to last a little bit longer, people need to write more good songs about Thanksgiving. They have a point. I mean, like one of the reasons why people get into Christmas is the Christmas music. Not me, but some people do get into that. But Mary was a part of Jesus's first miracle. His first miracle. Do you know what that miracle was? I think a good question to ask is this. What was God's first miracle in your life? Like for me, clearly it started when I was seven years old. And I gave my heart to Jesus at a Christian rock and roll concert. This band called Mylon and Broken Heart. They were awesome. Full on mullets, lots of bright pink and yellow, and they sang these deep, deep, lyrically driven songs like, Love God, Hate Sin. That was the whole song. That was the whole lyric. And I marched myself down to the altar at the end of that con uh, con concert and gave my heart to Jesus. Well, certainly that was the first miracle because salvation is a miracle. And I'm, I know over the course of my life, I've seen him show up over and over again. But another time I think about is when I was 19 years old and I felt like I had my plan for my life. After graduating high school, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And I went to a camp as a counselor. And, and while I was there, I had four different people come and give me the same prophetic word. Um, two of them didn't even know me. None of them knew each other. They all came and gave me the exact same word. And that is, 
that God saw me as someone that had a heart like David and that he wanted to use me to do great things for his kingdom, but that I needed training and my plan for my life was not gonna get me prepared for his plan for my life. And so I changed my plan. And that was the day that I answered the call to ministry. And that was a miracle for a lot of different reasons. But a big reason was because I didn't seem to have all the credentials that most people would look for when it came to someone that was going to be a pastor. That was a miracle for me. But in this miracle, in John chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus responded with, woman, why do you involve me? Which I think is hilarious. I don't know about you, but if I talked to my mama that way, it would not go well. (laughs) But Jesus said that. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to. And then she just walks off. I love that. It's interesting to me that in the parable of the talents, Jesus is furious at the one who is just lazy and doing nothing. Here, Jesus does a miracle for Mary who just goes for it. Jesus didn't do this miracle because Mary was his mom. He loves tenacity. God loves people who are persistent that have determination and faith and believing that he can do something. Mary did not know what to do, but she knew who to ask. And she knew what was most important and what to value. I think it's important to remember that faith is not informing God what you want him to do. It's inviting God into every part of who you are, into everything you need. So Mary wasn't bossing Jesus around. She was asking him to be involved. Many of you, maybe even right now, are in a situation where you don't know what to do and it appears like you don't know who to ask either. But she not only knew who to ask, but she knew who not to ask which is sometimes just as important. She could have asked the wedding planner. She could have talked to the parents. Now, for most of us, if we run out of drink at a party, it's an inconvenience. But to this family, it would have been a mark of shame because in that culture, the wedding celebration, it was a big deal. I mean, we're three days into this thing. It was a huge deal. And so they would have been labeled. Like, these people don't know how to take care of their family. They don't have a gift of hospitality. And there would have been major shame put on them for the rest of their lives. But what I love is how powerful of a lesson is in this first miracle. Because what Jesus did was not only did he not expose the shame, but he covered it. He more than covered it. He gave them above and beyond even what they needed. And that's a picture of grace. Because before grace, we could see our deficiency. We could see where we lacked. We could see where we messed up. But grace came and it covered our sin. 
And it's an amazing thing to see that our sin can be covered. And then Jesus says something that no one should ever say. Woman, why do you involve me? <laughs> you just shouldn't say that. But I love that Mary doesn't give a bunch of reasons. Like, oh, this couple, you know, Sandy and Charles, they've just been so good to us. They've been, you know, and they've come upon hard times. And Sandy's dad passed away and Charles lost his job. And she doesn't say any of that. She knew who Jesus was. He knew, or she knew, that he knows what they need and what they think they need. So really, before I can continue this talk, I think I have to ask this. Do you believe that Jesus knows what you need? And that he also knows what you think you need. Because Mary just simply says, do whatever he tells you. So that's pretty open-ended, but it's also very focused. Because realize, like, there wasn't a Trader Joe's around to run over to and buy some more wine. Like, this, this was going to create a major problem. And she could have asked someone else, and they would have just been running around all day long with really horrible ideas to try to solve the situation and the problem. I'm convinced that one of the reasons why people are so exhausted is because they are running around listening to all the wrong voices trying to give solutions to the issues that only God can solve. And I'm also know this without a shadow of a doubt that this is a fatigue that a vacation cannot fix. Only God can fix it. So the problem is that people are not asking or listening to the Lord. But just listening to all the voices yelling into their lives. So here's an easy solution. Today. Today. Just look over to Jesus and ask him, what do you want me to do? It's really that simple. And I know some of you are like, are you kidding, James? Like, I've been asking God to give me a new job. I've been asking God, should I put a down payment on this house? Should I write a letter to this family member? Should I ask this person to marry me? Should I leave NLC? Nope. Are the Democrats going to pay for all my loans? Nope. Should I change my major? Should I break up with this person? I find that the issue is not the times that you don't know what to do. It's the times that you didn't do what you knew you should have done. And I think that that's something that Mary understood. In James chapter four, verse 13, it says this, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. That's not the most encouraging verse. People are probably not getting that one tattooed somewhere. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, 
we will live and do this or that. Anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So that's the question. Do you do what you know to do? Do you do what you know to do? Like every, everyone in here over the age of 10 knows that eating better is better. Exercising better is better. Like eating less candy and doing some push-ups is better than not. And how long have we known that? But do we do it? And some of you noting, know that reading the word daily more is better. Do we do that? Most of us know that having our kids in love with Jesus is infinitely more important than grades or sports. But do we teach them that? Do we do what we know to do? So I know most of you are not enjoying the sermon right now. But the fact is, we all want our water turned into wine. We all want bitterness to turn to happiness. But at the end of the day, we don't do anything about it. If we, under, if we did what we knew we should do, then really our request to God will shift a little bit. It's not just should I, like should I go to this or that college or should I take this job or that job or, or, or should this person be my spouse or not? The, the better questions become this. How can I respect God more in my life? How can I make him more of a priority? How can I be more faithful? How can I truly repent and never return to a portion of immorality in my life? And then, Lord, will you heal my marriage? Lord, will you ever help me not be lonely? Lord, will you help me with my depression, my anxiety, my fear? Lord, will you ever help my kid love me again? Lord, will you ever help me get past this financial dilemma? I find that in your relationship and how you approach these areas of need, you're either walking in hope or you're, you're playing a game of luck. You notice that some board games, some games you play with your family, some of them, there's some strategy to them, right? Like you gotta think about what you're gonna do next. Like chess, that's a game of strategy. But there's a lot of games that have nothing to do with strategy. They're just total luck, like Yahtzee. Okay, like nobody ever goes around like bragging about I'm really good at Yahtzee because nobody's really good at Yahtzee. It just happens or it doesn't happen, right? Because it's literally the luck of the roll. You just, you have no idea. Like it, it, unless you really just don't know how to add, you really can't mess up Yahtzee. It's like, it's your turn. You're gonna add up some die and then it's gonna be mine. And whoever has the most wins. But there's, but there's not a lot of strategy to it. I feel like a lot of people have a luck Jesus. A luck Jesus is saying, Lord, if you want me to do this, let the phone ring right now. Lord, if you want me to do this, then the dog will bark. Lord, if you want me to do this, then a plane's gonna fly over right now. 
and we have an Air Force base, so there's a really good chance, you know. And this is how I decided to move to Arkansas. It was a flip of a coin. I said, God, if it's tails, I'm moving to Arkansas. Flipped it. It was tails. Best two out of three, Lord. So I flipped it again. Tails again. Three out of five, God. Once again, tails. God, I don't know what you're trying to tell me here. What do you want me to do? I'm joking. None of that happened. There was a guy that was really, really mad about his life and just frustrated. He didn't feel like God was telling him the things that he wanted to hear and giving him the solutions he wanted to hear. So he, he did the old thumb through the Bible and then stick your finger on a verse thing. So he's thumbed through, stuck his finger on a verse, and the verse said, Judas hung himself. <laughs> That's not too encouraging. So he tried it again. Thumb through, stuck his finger on it, stuck on the verse that said, go and do so also. <laughs> really not going well, but he decided to try it one more time. Thumb through, stuck his finger on a verse that says, whatever you doeth, do it quickly. <laughs> so I wouldn't suggest you go with that method. But I find that one of the things that comes with not being faithful with the seasons, not being faithful with the talents, not doing the things that you know to do and then still asking God to do more. The enemy uses those seasons to introduce shame. And I see a lot of people right now that are away from Jesus because of shame. Look, Mary knew that she was a flawed person, but she also accepted the grace that was given to her. And this is why she was successful. In Luke eleven twenty seven, 27, says this, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. But what I find is that shame doesn't obey, it hides. Hides. And so if you want to respond and you want to be obedient, if we're going to finish not just this year strong, but the purpose that God has for you strong, you got to deal with the shame that's keeping you down. And so I want to talk about a couple of principles that'll help your shame dissolve. First of all, your shame dissolves after you get honest with God. When you just get honest with God, King David called a man after God's heart. He did some pretty terrible things. He betrayed his really close friend, Uriah. A lot of people know about Uriah or know the story, but you don't understand that Uriah was not just like one of David's soldiers. He was a close friend of David. He was one of David's mighty men. And David slept with Uriah's wife and then was trying to hide it and tried to trick Uriah to try to hide it. And Uriah is so faithful and such a good friend, he wouldn't fall for it. So then, Uriah, or then David has this huge issue, like Uriah won't go with the plan to try to cover up what I did. And so he put him on the front lines of a battle where he knew he would be killed. So David essentially committed murder. And then Nathan the prophet had to come along and, and he told this story of this guy that did something horrible to his friend. And then he asked David, what should happen to this guy? And David said, well, that guy should die. And Nathan's like, the guy's you. You're the guy that did this. And then David knew he was in trouble because God had, had exposed him. But then he just got really, really honest and transparent. We know because it's in the Bible. 
A lot of people have read about this. And, and, and he's broken, but then Bathsheba's pregnant. And then she has this baby, but the baby gets sick. And the baby's dying. And David prayed, but then the baby still died. And in chapter 51, there's this powerful prayer of confession. Forgive me of my sin, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquities, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Some of you have lost the joy. Take away from me, do not take away from me your presence. Look, there have been times in my life when the presence of God was, was definitely not as strong as others. I can't imagine what it would be if it went away completely. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Psalm 51 was actually written before Psalm 32 because not all the Psalms are put in chronological order. So after repentance, after he got honest with God and was just transparent, this was the prayer in the Psalm in Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Can you hear the shame in that? For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped in the heat of, as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. It did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Man. I would add to this if it's not obvious that being honest and transparent before the Lord is so powerful. But equally as important to that is you having someone that you can trust and who is wise that is in the body of Christ that you can confess to. That's why you need biblical community around you. You need people that you can be really honest about the things that you're struggling with the most. But the truth is we hate when people see the things that we don't want them to see. That's hard. Like, have you ever had to move? And see, you had some people, some friends come over and help you move. But at one point or another, beds are gonna be pulled away from walls. Couches will be pulled away from walls. It can be really embarrassing when that happens. Especially if you have kids, you will find a 12-course meal behind a couch sometimes if you've got kids. Like, there's gonna be some nasty, gross stuff back behind there, and you're gonna feel like they think that I'm just a slob. Or you pull up to the car rider line, and the door opens up for your kid to jump in, and a half-eaten hot dog and an empty Sonic cup falls out because that's just the way you live, right? But you're not interested in everybody seeing that. It just happens. Or that one day when your kid opens up the pantry door and you're standing in there eating all of their leftover Halloween candy. You don't necessarily want them to see that. That's not a lot of fun. There's some shame involved in that. But the truth is, until you can be honest and transparent, that shame is gonna have you. It's gonna have you. Shame also dissolves after you settle and know who you are in Christ. 
you really can't get close to that until you do the first step. Um, because until you do the first one, you're still going to be convinced that, that God is mad at you, that he's disappointed in you, which is not the truth. But until you can be honest with him, you won't, you won't receive the grace that he wants to give. And you won't be able to begin to turn the shame into conviction. And we need conviction. But the rest of that shame will be dissolved as you grow in a confidence of who you are in Christ. But I find that a lot of people right now are looking at a screen all day long, begging for someone to tell them who they are. Begging for something to help bring them a sense of identity. The book of James says that the word of God is like a mirror that helps us see who we are. That when we're hungry for the word of God, when we read it, we will see what he says about us. What I love about the Bible is the Bible is the only book that you can read that also reads you. It's also the only book that you can see, sit and read it with the author. It's pretty cool. Because there's plenty in here that God wants to remind you of and tell you about, about who he sees you as. Look, Mary was the mother of Christ. But by this wedding, she knew he was God. And the reason why she had the boldness that she had is because she also knew who she was because of who he was. And it had nothing to do with them being related. It had everything to do with her understanding her identity in Christ. That's how she had so much confidence and boldness but we gotta stay close to God if we wanna hear him. But shame says you are what you did. But the word says you're a new creation in him. And shame will say you can never change. But the word says I'll take out that old heart and give you a new one. Shame says you're gonna do it again. The word says it's no longer you alone, but Christ in you that gives you strength. but you gotta stay close to God and hear him speaking if you're gonna know what to tell shame. Have confidence. I love this confidence that Paul had in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I don't know about you, how big of a fool would you be willing to look like if you knew that the creator of the universe and all of his power could rest on you? What would you be willing to do? That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak, then, really only then are you strong. And Luke 18, 27 says, Jesus replied, what is impossible with men? And I just want to let you know, your shame on your own, impossible. What is impossible with men is possible with God. So my heart, I, I do want you to finish 2020 strong. And I've been there. I mean, I've been there. I was even there yesterday. I'm just... It has affected so much. It's affected really important things 
It's also affected things that are not that important, but they're still important on some level. Like because of COVID, the Broncos, my favorite team, they don't even have a quarterback today. <laughs> so I'm gonna wrap this up. They gave me a call, I gotta hop on a plane. They, they head to Denver, they went way down in the depth chart. So not even close to the truth. Uh, but there's a part of me, it's just like, I'm just so fed up. And so I, I might have a tendency to say, I just can't wait for 2020 to be over. I just want 2020 to be over, which just because the date changes doesn't mean the virus is like, okay, see you later. Like, uh, we don't know if anything is actually going to change just because the date changes. But what we do know is this, we can either just hope and wait for natural change to happen, or we can step up and step into a supernatural provision from God that helps us not just make it, not just get through, but helps us to be more than overcomers, that can help us shape the kingdom of God in someone else's life, that we can be faithful with this season that God has given us and not just make it through the season. Let's do something with it. Let's double it. Let's invest. Let's do whatever we can into the kingdom. Because honestly, that's the only way you're gonna be fulfilled anyway. It's by being faithful with what God has given you. But I do wanna deal with the shame because I think that there's some of that even in this room. But the only way that some of you can deal with the shame is you gotta deal with the relationship or the lack of relationship that you have with the Lord. Without Christ, shame is all you have. And so I wanna give an opportunity for that first. I believe that this can be a place of salvation for somebody in this room today. And it's the most important thing we're gonna do. But then I also wanna give an opportunity for us to deal with our shame here in a second, we're gonna sing a song. And I think that that song honestly is one of the better declarations that you can have in regards to, to anything that is contrary to how God sees you, including your shame. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. If you're here today, you just know that you are away from the Lord. You don't have any confidence of relationship with him. Maybe you feel like at some point, you had a relationship with him, but you haven't had it in a long time and maybe you need to come back to him. Whatever the case may be, he's here, he loves you. He's ready to meet with you. He's ready to accept you. But in order to receive that grace and that love, all it takes is you being willing to admit that you need him. So if you're here and you're willing to admit that, nobody's looking around and I'm not gonna try to embarrass you, but I wanna just give you a chance to be bold enough to admit before me, before the Lord that you need him. If that's you, would you please just put your hand up? As soon as I see your hand, I'll let you put it down. Got it, thank you, bro. Thanks for that boldness. God's gonna honor that. Anybody else? I'm just away from him and I need him. God, guys, thank you. Thanks. It's awesome. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. I'm ready to surrender to him. I'm tired of doing my own thing my own way. I need him. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Got it. Anybody else? Okay. 
So for those, those few folks that raise your hand, I would encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. A great way to go public with your faith is through water baptism. We'll have an opportunity to do that soon. But right there in your chair, let's just talk to God and let's just be honest with him. You don't have to say exactly what I'm getting ready to say, but something like this, just say this, say, God, here's my life and I know that I've made a lot of mistakes, more than I can count. I know that my sin separates me from you, but, but I thank you that you had a plan and you sent your son, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. And right now, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the grave, defeating my sin, defeating death itself. And because of that, I have the hope of heaven but I also don't wanna just wait and make it to heaven. I wanna walk in the fullness of your purpose for my life now. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would guide me. I ask that you would help me to understand who I am in you, that I would have a hunger for your word, that I'd have a passion for the body of Christ and my role in it. I surrender to you as my Lord, have my life. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Give me the grace to be obedient. Father, I thank you for those, those few folks that just said that prayer, made that decision. It's the best decision they'll ever make and all of heaven rejoices with them. Lord, I pray that you help us as a church to walk alongside of them and help them to become the fully devoted followers of Christ that you've created them to be. We celebrate with them. But Lord, I also know that there's some people in this room that just are struggling with, with shame, with not doing the things that they know that you've asked them to do. And instead of letting conviction bring correction, they've allowed themselves to fall into the lies of the enemy. So Lord, we wanna deal with that too. If you're in this place and you, you've just been dealing with shame, you've been dealing with guilt, and it's keeping you in a place where you don't feel like you can get near the presence of God, that somehow he doesn't want to be around you, isn't interested in what's going on in your life. If you're there and you're just willing to confess to him, confess that shame, be honest and transparent before him, if that's you, nobody's looking, would you put your hand up too? I just wanna pray with you real quick. Just dealing with that shame, dealing with some guilt. Okay, got it, thank you. Thank you, anyone else? Just dealing with some shame. I just wanna confess this before the Lord. Father, I just thank you for those couple of people. I'm sure there's more of us. Sometimes the shame won't even let us raise our hand when we should. But Lord, I know that you're here to meet with them. God, I believe in the power of our words and the power of your word. Lord, and I just speak over every lie that's ever been spoken to them and the ones that they've been believing from the enemy and I rebuke them in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that they 
are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're your sons and daughters and that you love them unconditionally. There's nothing that they could ever do, good or bad, that would ever cause you to love them any more, any less, because you are love and they are loved. And I pray in the name of Jesus that right now, as they're honest before you, as they come before you with a repentant heart, and God, even if it's the thousandth time that they've repented, the thousandth time that they said that they were sorry, God, your mercies are never ending. That they would come to you again, that they would lay it at your feet, your grace would overwhelm them again, Father. And Lord, I pray as we sing this next song that it would be a declaration of who we are in you because of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name.